Listen to God's word speaking to you this morning. You shall put these words of mine on your heart and soul, and you shall bind them up as a sign on your hand and fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your ancestors to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh God, once more we place our lives before your holy scriptures. We ask that you would calm distractions Open up our hearts and our ears to hear from you. Amen. So Moses speaks these words to the people of God on the plains of Moab. Right before they're about to cross the River Jordan into the land that was promised to their ancestors long ago. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God, at this point in the story, you'll remember, has defeated Pharaoh and his armies. God has rescued the people from the bonds of slavery. He has miraculously provided food and water in the desert. And now the people stand, waiting to enter the promised land. The time has come, finally, after hundreds of years. But before they go into the promised land... God wants to have a little chat. God says to his people, I am giving you this land, and I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to protect you and bless you, but I want you to remember my teaching. Before you go start your new life, I want to provide you with instructions on how to live it. Remember, God is giving this land to the Israelites to bless them so that they can bless other nations. And the way they do that is by living out the teaching of God. Deuteronomy literally means second law. God is giving the people his teaching a second time. God's doing this because, well, it didn't go so well the first time, if you recall. Moses went up onto the mountain and lingered a little longer than the people had wanted. They got a little impatient. Emotions escalated quickly. Things got kind of weird. And then Aaron molded the golden calf and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. The first time God gave the people his instructions, they disregarded it. They worshipped other gods. In fact, they didn't even really wait to get the teaching the first time. I've had to come to learn the hard way that instructions come in handy only when used. I don't know why that's funny. (laughs) It's true. 
But Sarah and I have been married for about seven years, and she got her iPhone in 2011. You were the first person in our relationship to get an iPhone. I got my iPhone last year and still learning how to use it. But early on in our marriage, we'd be driving somewhere and Sarah would say, well, we should use the iPhone to navigate us there. A computer? I don't trust the iPhone. I trust my wits, okay? That a boy. Now, I'm not saying that this is like a guy thing, but I'm just speaking for me personally. I like to see if I can get somewhere without any directions. I don't know why. (laughs) If I've been there before, I will use my memory, but if I haven't been there, I'm going to use my instincts and the force. After getting lost every time we went somewhere, Sarah insisted that we start using the iPhone, and she was right. I don't always appreciate Siri's tone, (laughs) but I've come to discover that having the instructions is so important before you start the trip. And here on the plains of Moab, God is equipping the people with his teaching. He's giving them the instructions and the directions before they start the trip. God says, remember my teaching so that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied. God is offering them his protection and blessing if they follow his teaching. The beauty of God's teaching is that there is practical, everyday wisdom embedded in simply just following it. For example, chances are your life will be more blessed if you do not kill, steal, lie, and cheat. There are natural consequences to our actions, and that is what God is trying to help these people understand. And of course, we can still recognize that legalistically observing Torah became problematic for the Jewish people over time. But in its original intention, Torah was meant to be a gift for the community. Torah, God's law, God's teaching was designed to be a roadmap so that these people could know how do we live in harmony with one another and with God. That's what it was originally about. And the foundation of God's teaching around community is love. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus summarizes Deuteronomy when he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So before you go off into this new life, God says, I want you to not only remember my words, but study them. Teach them to your children. It's no, no coincidence, co- coincidence that any time Israel neglected or disregarded God's law, they suffered because of it. And it was self-induced suffering. 
We have to come to a place, friends, where we understand that studying Scripture is not just a spiritual discipline, it's a lifeline. Richard Foster says that no other discipline changes the person more from the inside out than the study of Scripture. In Romans 12, the Apostle Paul says, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. In the New Testament, the word for repentance is metanoia, and it means to change your mind. Scripture has the ability and the power to change our mind if we are willing to listen and be humble before the word of God. One man who understood the power of God's word was John Wesley. And on October 18th, 1749, a large crowd came to John Wesley's house because of the things that he had been teaching. They were angry. And so they threw rocks through the windows. They broke down the door and they came into the house and John Wesley walks down the stairs and he confronts them with scriptures. Listen to the following excerpt from his journal. Believing the time had now come, I walked down into the thickest of them. They had now filled all the rooms below. I called for a chair. The winds were hushed and all was calm and still. My heart was filled with love. My eyes with tears and my mouth with arguments. They were amazed, they were ashamed, they melted down. They devoured every word. What a turn was this, John Wesley says. Scripture is the written words of God. And yet so often, we would rather spend our time reading a news article that's probably just going to make us feel anxious, or we're going to watch an advertisement that's going to make us think we don't have enough, or in my case, I'm going to read another sports column that's just going to end up distracting me from my daughter. There are a number of excuses we give to why we don't read the Bible. And to be honest, I think the one that I understand the most is that at times, Scripture can be difficult and confusing. I get it. We recognize that these words are the inspired words of God, but they are also written in historical and cultural contexts far different from our own. And what is more, there are so many genres within the Bible, poetry, history, prophecy, big bibliography. That's not, no, that's a thing that goes to the end of your paper, huh? Biography, <laughs> epistles. There are so many genres within Scripture. And to say that Scripture can be obscure at times, in no way does that mean we have a, a less reverence for the Bible? It just means that we have to study it with wisdom and care. 
but there are resources to help. My favorite commentary series is called For Everyone. That's it. Simply, for everyone. There's the New Testament for everyone and the Old Testament for everyone. N.T. Wright writes the New Testament for everyone. And John Goldengay, my former professor, writes the Old Testament for everyone. There are countless resources, study guides, and Bible reading plans. But at some point, you have to decide that this needs to become important to you. You have to make studying scripture a consistent rhythm in your life. Because we need to be reminded every day. Even if we already know it. That's what the book of Deuteronomy and our scripture this morning is all about. Bind these words as a sign on your hand and fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Orthodox Jews still take this text quite literally. During their weekday prayer, they use what's called tefillin or phylacteries, which are these two small black leather boxes where the words of Torah are filled in. And they each have leather straps, and one is fastened to the head, and the other one is fastened on the inside of the weak arm, so that when you pray, you can feel the uncomfortable box pressing in towards your heart. And then there's a leather strap that goes down your arm all the way to your hands. They do this every morning to pray, Orthodox Jews. They teach it to their children. They pass it on to them. What are we teaching our kids about God? God says, teach my words to your children, talking about them when you are home and when you are away. Of course, you can cover your house in Bible verses. You can put a cross over the mantle. You can even wear Christian t-shirts everywhere you go. But if the love of God is absent from your actions, then your kids aren't going to buy it. I can say this because I have worked at two Christian universities and I have seen numerous students who come from Bible-quoting, legalistic households that ultimately walked away from their faith. I pray they would return. My best friend from high school walked away from his faith. Of course, there are a number of reasons that go into that. You can be great parents and your kids can walk away. You can't always control that. But my friend would tell you that the hypocrisy of his parents played a significant role in why he walked away. They had plenty of Bible verses on the walls and long lists of family rules, but they also had secrets and lies, and bitterness, and judgment. My best friend saw that and he did not buy it. You know, I don't remember if my parents had Bible verses 
on the walls. And they never really quoted scripture at us. But I remember my dad doing the laundry while listening to the Bible on his headphones. He wouldn't tell you he was doing that, but if you asked him, he would tell you. I remember if I had questions, I could go to his study, ask him about the Bible, and he would share his thoughts with enthusiasm. I remember being a teenager and digging through my mom's truck and finding her Bible between the driver's seat and the center compartment. It was bookmarked in Psalms. The word wasn't necessarily preached at us when we were kids, but the word of God was shown. We saw the word of God shown whenever my parents would invite someone into our home who didn't have anywhere else to live. They could stay at our house. We saw the word of God shown when my parents would be generous or have hospitality. Anytime we had a meal, anybody was invited. But most of all, we saw the word of God in my parents' ability to forgive and extend grace. I grew up in a household where grace reigned. And I buy that. If you're teaching or showing your kids something contrary to the love and graciousness of God, then friends, you are missing the point. Put these words of mine on your heart and soul. Notice how verse 18 mirrors Deuteronomy 6. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. In the Hebrew tradition, the heart encompasses your conscience, your feelings, and your thoughts. Jews call the heart the chair for all thought and emotion. The heart drives the will. In Deuteronomy 10, God says, Circumcise the foreskin of your heart and do not be stubborn any longer. You catch that? Transformation begins with a humble heart. You have to be willing to listen, and you have to be willing to be changed. Is your heart hard, or is it soft? It can mean the difference between life and death, truly. Put these words on your heart every day. Let us pray. Oh God, how grateful we are that the fullest revelation of your words is found in Jesus Christ that we look to him and we see what you are all about. Just giving us the words wasn't enough. You came and you showed us how to live, Lord. So we ask by the power of your spirit, God, write these words on our heart and give us 
a new life. Be our teacher and our God. And Lord, as we prepare for our tithes and offerings this morning, we ask that you would take these gifts as an act of worship, that you would take them and multiply them for the glory of your kingdom. For Lord, you are beautiful and you are great. Amen.